Section 14 of Captain Cook by Walter Besant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 9. Last Day at Home. Cook was now at home again for the last time. A simple sum in addition shows that though he was married for nearly seventeen years, his whole residence at home amounted to no more than four years and four months, out of which must be deducted the time necessary for the outfit of his vessel and all the business of preparing his expeditions. In his public capacity, however, on his return home from the second voyage, he received all the honours which it was the fashion of the time to bestow. In these days, he would have been made rear admiral with knight commander of the bath or perhaps knight grand cross of the bath he would have been presented to the queen he would have read a paper at the royal geographical society he would have been the lion of the season he would have been invited to take the chair of a hundred meetings he would also have been implored by the editors of all the magazines to contribute an article and after sending in his official report to government he would have drawn up a narrative of his voyage to be published on his own account out of which he would have made a considerable sum of money a hundred years ago simpler methods obtained this man who had done more for geography and seamanship more in his voyages than any other man who lived since columbus was promoted to the rank of post-captain he was also appointed a captain in greenwich hospital a post which provided for him a retreat for life if he pleased to remain there he was also elected fellow of the royal society in february seventeen seventy six on the day of his election two papers of his communicated to the president sir john pringle were read to the society one of these was on the action of the tides along the east coast of new holland the other on the preservation of the health of the crew on long voyages there can be no doubt that the successful prosecution of this voyage raised cook to a position of the highest respect in his own country where a man so seldom becomes a prophet in other countries at least in france holland spain and russia he was regarded as the greatest navigator of all time it is significant of the general feeling that the gold medal of the royal society which is annually awarded to the best experimental research of the year was in seventeen seventy six bestowed upon captain cook for his paper on the preservation of the sailors from scurvy on the day of presentation he had already sailed he doubtless knew that the honour was intended for him he could not hear the oration which the president pronounced upon the occasion cook was now in the forty-eighth year of his age he had been at sea for thirty-four years. This is a long time of service. No man under fifty had worked harder. No living man had achieved so much. Other men had been shipwrecked and cast away. Plenty of men had encountered perils of every kind. None so many perils are so various as Captain Cook. He might have hung up his oar, there was a safe haven in which he might rest without loss of honour or without incurring the slightest blame or the least imputation upon his courage he had done enough as for what might remain of life he could have spent it blamelessly in the snug retreat at greenwich hospital with his wife and children he would have awaited the approach of age with a serene conscience as one who had run a good race and fought a good fight 
he could have walked upon the terrace and seen the ships go up and down the king's ships sailing out on a new voyage of discovery to encounter the coral reefs of new holland and the hurricane of the tropics and the ice fields of the arctic or antarctic circles it would have reminded him of his own two voyages then he would have told the old tales again and recalled the soft airs and gentle folk of faraway tahiti why could he not sit down and rest besides he was now a great gentleman a post-captain in the royal navy he who had once been the collier's shipboy everybody's servant cuffed and kicked and ordered about by every common sailor in the vessel he who had been born in the farm labourer's cottage and had been taught the criss-cross row by a kind lady out of charity he now enjoyed the society of the greatest scholars and philosophers of his time he sat at great men's tables he was called friend by those his patrons to whom under less favourable conditions he would have been a servant he had conquered fortune he possessed all that life can give a man why not sit down and rest and enjoy these things fame sufficiency rank in his profession and friendship of the best what more can mortal man desire but he could not rest that habit of incessant work was too deep-seated to be thrown off besides cook at forty-eight was as young as many men at thirty he had lived a life so hard and simple it had been so free from vice or excess of any kind he was born with a constitution so magnificent that as yet he felt no touch of age besides he who roves must still be roving the nomad is easily awakened he who begins to travel can never afterwards sit still in this age the man who undertakes one journey to africa is wedded to that continent for life in that age he who had once breathed the soft airs of the pacific must needs go back again thus cook took with him on his second voyage not only men who had been with him on the first but also men who had been with wallace as for himself he eagerly embraced the chance of making the second voyage and when he was consulted about finding an officer to command the third his pulse quickened his blood warmed and he offered to go yet a third time the pacific had been kinder to him than to any previous navigators she suffered him to go back in safety once twice not a third time yet if a vision had been granted to cook before he volunteered showing him the fatal and ignoble quarrel in which he was to fall he would still have persevered seeing how great would be his name and fame the question of the southern continent was finally settled there would be no more wrangling over that there was no southern continent or if there should prove to be one it was more inaccessible than greenland more inhospitable than the northern coasts of labrador it lay behind vast walls and hills of ice unmelted and unbroken in the height of summer if any human beings lived there they must be lower than the eskimo more wretched than the fuegian but there was another question open and disputed it had been under dispute for two hundred years only in our own days has it been finally settled and even now it can hardly be considered wholly cleared up while there remain so many islands whose coasts are as yet unexamined 
it was the question of the northwestern passage this question belongs as much to this century as to the last or the two preceding it need not be considered with the detail which the history of discovery in the pacific ocean seemed to demand the search for the northwestern passage is like many scientific searches one after a thing either impossible to find or useless when found the pursuit of which yielded results of quite unexpected and of incalculable value it was hoped to find a short and easy way of sailing to china and the far east on the north of the american continent and so to avoid the long passage by the cape of good hope how long and tedious the passage was is proved by the fact that on the second voyage cook was a hundred and twenty days sailing from madeira to the cape the expeditions sent out in the sixteenth and seventeenth centuries failed it is true to find the passage but they succeeded in revealing an immense amount of territory in america and a great portion of her northern shores in the middle of the eighteenth century the subject was revived especially by one dobbs in the year seventeen forty one captain middleton was sent out and in seventeen forty six captains smith and moore an act of parliament was passed offering a reward of twenty thousand pounds to the owners of a ship which should discover the passage or to the captain officers and company of the fortunate ship if it should belong to the royal navy lord mulgrave also attempted in the year seventeen seventy three to reach the north pole the continual failure of every expedition caused a change of plans it was then argued that where ships had failed to get through from the atlantic to the pacific they might succeed from the pacific to the atlantic and lord sandwich was so far persuaded that an attempt in this direction might prove successful that he consented to send out an expedition with this object captain cook would have been appointed to the command without the least hesitation but for a natural feeling that he had done enough and should now be left to repose however whether with the view of sounding him or whether only to consult him he was invited to dine with lord sandwich and with him were invited his old friends and patrons sir hugh palliser and mr stevens secretary of the admiralty during dinner the conversation turned upon the projected expedition its importance its dangers and the benefits which might follow upon its success fired once more by the enthusiasm of the navigator cook sprang to his feet and offered to take the command his offer was accepted with the promise that on his return he should be reappointed to his place at greenwich hospital one domestic detail of this time survives cook concealed from his wife so long as he could the fact that he had promised to try fortune yet once more on the pacific main how long he could keep the thing a secret one cannot learn as he received his commission in february and began at once to enter men it could not have been long yet to the end his widow lamented that his acceptance of the command had been kept from her considering that his youngest child hugh was born just after the ship sailed he may have thought there was good reason not to agitate his wife with any anxieties but to break the news to her when the whole business was settled it is not certain whether he had by this time taken up his official residence in greenwich hospital 
or whether his wife and family continued to live there until the fatal news arrived. Perhaps they went on living in Mile End Old Town. From recollections preserved by his widow of dinners at great houses during this last stay at home, it would seem as if they had now left that modest suburb. End of section 14